0: Hello and welcome to the Yuha UP podcast. My name is Yuha and no, that is not a stage name. This is a fitness podcast where I try and help you along your fitness journey, often using mobility interventions to help you break through barriers or plateaus you've been struggling with. And if you're like me and believe that improving joint health should be a part of your routine, this is for you. What's the worst fitness advice you've ever heard? Because yesterday I asked that question to a subreddit, r slash fitness, and I got a lot of comments, it got a lot of feedback, a lot of responses, and I was reading a couple of them, and I thought to myself, wait, some of these are probably really entertaining for other people to hear, so why not just read a couple of them? Why not read a handful of them on the podcast, because um, I think some of these are Just gonna be for, you know, straight entertainment. And if some of these, if I have my own input on them, I definitely will. Uh, So, without further ado, I'm just gonna read off a couple of them. Uh, (laughs) It's actually really funny. Yeah, so, for me, uh, before I read other people's worst fitness advice... What I gave as an example for my own was when I was 19, I went to the doctor's because of uh, some knee pain. I was going for runs, and then I was experiencing some knee pain. So I thought to myself at the time, hey, I might as well go to a doctor and see what they think. And um, the doctor's advice was to just stop running. They didn't mention any exercises or treatments to help return back to running. Just stop doing it. And then once my knee feels better, I can... I can continue running, but then if I feel the pain again, just stop. So that kind of led me down the path of, like, trying to find answers and realizing that when it comes to fitness, doctors don't necessarily have all the answers. Um, They can be great in some instances, but they definitely do not have all of the answers. So coming in at number one with 177 points. Okay, so chances are other people kind of maybe experiences as well. One answer was do 2 hours of very high intensity cardio and then lift heavy weights for 1 hour directly afterwards because it's a good gauge for how fit you actually are. Wow. Right. <laughs> um yeah, I read that earlier and I thought like it's a good indication of what? Like fit you are for what? Like doing 2 hours of high intensity cardio, you're going to need to get some treatment afterwards. <laughs> like you're going to need to take an ice bath after that, maybe get like a massage, or even just doing an hour of high intensity just lifting heavy weights, that is a completely separate thing unless you're training maybe for something like a a triathlon uh Something like that. If you're training for something that is gonna last multiple, multiple, multiple hours and is multi multi multiple discipline uh, is like a multiple disciplinary what's the word? Like an Iron Man where you have to like swim very far distance, bike a very far distance, and run a very far distance. Maybe maybe if you're training for that, then you should do something like that eventually. But this is definitely not like a form of an assessment to see how fit you actually are. Cause <sighs> That's brutal. That is brutal. Someone said, where the fuck did you hear that from? Just the two hours of cardio part is rough. I ran a half marathon in a little under two hours and was beat. No way I could have done a normal, normal lifting session afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Suffering from patella tendonitis a couple of years ago, and I went to a physio. He stuck a set of electrodes on my knee and told me never to ride a bike again. This person is a keen cyclist, and he does about 20,000 kilometers a year. So he probably commutes. I did the math earlier, and that's on average like 50 kilometers a day. So this person definitely probably commutes as a job. No exercise advice, no rehab, nothing. And then he just went on to say that he did his own research and found out that there are things that he can do to return back, but he never returned back to that physio. Yeah, actually, he said that he went to a different physio who was helpful. So he doesn't have any idea why one physio was so clueless and the other was so helpful. Yeah, that's tough. A lot of people have maybe bad experiences with chiros and then they write them off and say that, like, all chiropractors are bad, which is really not true. There are some great chiropractors. Maybe there are some that have kind of the approach of, like, crack and come back, where they just fit you into, like, a 5 to 15-minute adjustment session and then say, come back three times a week. Uh, Those people don't necessarily promote... um... The people that do that uh, should also be supplementing or... Not sure. For chiropractors that do manipulations, uh I mean, sorry, every chiropractor does manipulations. But I find that the separation between great chiropractors and not so great chiropractors are the great ones are the ones that give take home exercises afterwards. So they do treatment and they put you in a position where you are temporarily moving better or those temporary signs of decreased pain symptoms, but. The great ones give exercises because they acknowledge that whatever you're feeling after that session is going to go away after maybe a couple hours or a day. So it's important to do take-home exercises if you go to a chiropractor. If they don't give you take-home exercises, then I would personally choose just to go to a different one. Another comment. I had a doctor that told me being muscular isn't fashionable anymore, so I shouldn't worry about pushing myself any harder. Yeah, that advice... Reminds me of something that like my grandma would tell me of like, when I would go for a run or like I'd return home after a workout and she would just say like oh you ha you push yourself too hard and like she's from Finland and has like a very thick Finnish accent. I was born and raised in Toronto so I don't have that same accent but yeah she's always just like oh you you work yourself too hard. You're going to you're going to do too much. You're going to fall down. I think she meant like I'm gonna faint but. <laughs> Uh, So yeah, just because being muscular isn't fashionable. So having an increased fitness level isn't fashionable? That is weird. Yeah, Uh, yeah. The comments went on to say, yeah, you should be striving to have a dad bod. Kind of sounds like that's what they're advocating. Not directly, but that's funny. This person, another comment said... I'm a physical therapist, and I can tell you the amount of times someone comes in and says their doctor told them they can never squat again. They've even heard this from teenagers. You do a squat every time you sit on the toilet. Right, yeah, that's one thing. Is Some people may be really turned off by the thought of squats because some people will say it's bad for your knees, your knees shouldn't go over your toes, but then they ignore the fact that all of these micro- like. Micro actions that you do on a day-to-day routine involve, like, some variation of a squat if you're sitting down, some variation of a lunge if you're walking upstairs, if you're bending down. Like, that's probably a hip hinge. Like, things that you do in your everyday life are either knee-dominant or hip-dominant or things like that. So, yeah, maybe it's more accurate to say that some people uh, shouldn't be doing, like, barbell- front squats for the time being, but to say that you can never do a squat, it's like, how do you tell someone just don't sit down? Oh, yeah, that's brutal. Another one, always max out. Nobody ever asks you how many times you bench 135. Okay, a terrible fitness advice is someone telling them that they should always just go to failure. I mean, This quote is correct that people don't typically ask you how many times can you bench a weight. They just want to know like what your one rep max is, not I can bench 135 for 7 reps or 22 reps. Uh, Yeah, just because people don't ask you how many times you can bench 135 doesn't mean that that's not helpful to lift sub-optimally. Like, that is so helpful like let's say that you're doing a bench press and your one rep max is 200 well if you only do bench press at 200 for one rep or 195 at for like two two to three reps you're lifting too close to your ceiling to the point where you're either going to plateau or you're not giving yourself an adequate time to kind of ramp up to reach a new PR so if you're personal record for bench press is 200 pounds for one rep and you're stalling and you're trying to push through that plateau take that 200 pounds and dial it back like a third like instead of benching 200 pounds bench like 140 pounds start from there and do reps i mean it all depends on what your goal is uh, and what your exercise experience is. But if you're trying to increase your like absolute strength, you just want a higher one rep max, and you've been doing strength training. You've been doing a lot of like five by fives or five by threes, like five reps, three sets or five reps, five sets. Uh, tail that down from two hundred pounds to like one forty, but mentally carry the same intensity into that bench press set. When you're benching 140, as if you were benching 200, create that high percentage of MVC, that high percentage of maximal voluntary contraction, and do your regular reps and sets that you were doing previously, five reps, three sets, and then ramp up progressively. And instead of hitting a plateau at 200, you're more likely to maybe hit a plateau, maybe like a little bit under it, but then you do that same progression again. You take that point where you plateaued, take it down a third-ish, you know, 25 to 35%, and then ramp up again, and eventually, instead of stalling at 200, you're going to stall at 210, and then you scale it back again, and instead of starting at 140, you start at 150, and just continue to do that to to the point where you're going to make max gains if you train sub-max as long as you carry an appropriate intensity. If you're training lifting lighter weights and you're not you're not creating, like, a high percentage of MVC, then you're reducing how helpful it can be. Okay. What was another one? Another one. It doesn't matter if you're sick. You need to train anyway. Went from 99% over a common cold to full-blown bronchitis for a month. Walking felt like cardio. (laughs) Ha! Ha ha! Okay. Uh yeah, I think that I think that if you're sick, you should definitely bite the bullet and not lift weights. But if you're unmotivated, like if you just wake up and you're just like a little bit fatigued, if you're just feeling like DOMS from like one or two days ago, Yeah, you should probably push through that. You're like, oh, my back is sore from doing all these rows. Should I work out in 48 to 72 hours? Yeah, you should. But it's like if you're feeling like, oh, I feel like symptoms of a cold coming up or I think I have strep throat, then yeah, of course you shouldn't do that. Maybe at home you can still do some maybe like light kind of like a full body cars routine just to stay in a routine and just to stay into the rhythm of continuing to move your joints in full ranges of motion every day but if you're talking about like going into a gym and just like trying to like hit weights hard, yeah, you shouldn't train anyway just because you're sick. You're sick for a reason. Get better. God, yeah. People say, I freaking hate working out when I'm sick. Not worth it to me. Tea and sleep. Yeah, it's not worth it to work out when you're sick. Especially for most people where their goals are long-term. Like if you're trying to... If you have a very short term goal, some people, and I'm not necessarily advocating for this, but when you have a shorter term goal, people try and, the tendency is you have to do more in less time because it's a shorter, it's a short term goal. But if your goal is just like, I want to be healthier, I want to be stronger, and you don't care about reaching a certain weight or a certain accomplishment in six weeks and you're okay, if it takes you months and months, yeah, it's just, If you're okay with playing the long game, then taking some time off when you're sick is totally appropriate. Another quote, there's no difference between a front squat, a back squat, or a leg press. Ooh, this person heard it a couple days ago from a collegiate strength and conditioning coach. There's no difference between a front squat, a back squat, and a leg press. Well... Yeah, I feel like I shouldn't even have to comment on that. I feel like that should be pretty common sense. <sighs> there, are, there, are, there are a lot of people that do leg presses and swear by it. And um, I lean more towards, I think it's a pretty... I think the risk is not worth the reward. I think that it can get your leg stronger, but it's not worth the risk of injury that you put on your lower back, on your spine, just in the position... Um. Okay, so, Yeah, just in the position that, like, the typical leg press puts you in. Um, Also, it says leg press. There's a chance that they're talking about a different variation, but just, like, the more traditional leg press, when you, like, lie down and your feet are kind of up in the air and you have just plates on both sides and you're just pushing, yeah, you may be working your legs in a way that's going to promote strength, but it's not going to it's not worth the risk of injury. And if you have like a history of back injuries, if you have a history with certain lower back pain, then yeah, that's just not a good thing to do at all. And front squat and back squat, it's the difference between promoting anterior chain versus posterior chain. The forces are distributed different. The prerequisite mobilities are very different. You need much more ankle dorsiflexion to successfully go through front squats, you don't need the same dorsiflexion if you go through back squats. Yeah, just, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not good advice. That's not good advice. In fact, not everybody is even ready to be doing front squats or to be doing barbell back squats. Not to say that they're bad exercises, but some people just aren't ready for them at this time. Another one, I was given the general advice just to carb and protein load before every type of workout. It definitely didn't feel good. Carbs before a long run, great. Protein before a lift, awesome. Stuffing myself with both the day before either, I was always sore, had brain fog, and didn't perform well. Yeah, nutrition is definitely a big thing uh in terms of just like being ready for sessions. Um Lately, I've been experimenting more with training fasted, but that's because I've been trying to get more um, morning lifts. In actually, the gym's just down the road from me. They opened up for a week, and unfortunately, because of COVID, they're closed again. But um, no, I was doing some morning sessions, and I'm not a huge breakfast person. Like even when I do eat breakfast, I don't, I don't love a big breakfast. But uh, so, general advice is to carb load before every workout. No, you don't need to do that. Um, It's definitely important to have something, but that's also so individualized, and it also depends on what your goal is, and also depends on what type of workout you're doing. Um, It can be much safer to do fasted cardio, and some people don't feel comfortable doing like fasted strength training because that's just so physically exerting. Some people end up being just lightheaded, so... Yeah, that is that that is more of like an individualized, that's a case-by-case case basis. Next one. Okay, I'll read three more. I'll, I'll read three more. This stuff is so interesting. Go hard or go home. While that's all well and good for a teenager or someone in their twenties, one day all that hard is gonna catch up on you and it's gonna sideline you. So I do completely agree that recovery is huge. And the younger you are, the less you... Mm, No, yeah, yeah. Basically, when you're younger, even if you ignore recovery, your body is just going to be better at bouncing back. And that's kind of partially why uh like goals when you're in your 20s versus goals when you're in your 30s or 40s you know or goals when you're a teenager they just change like often when people are in their early lifting career i don't know teenage to being in your 20s like people just want to like lift heavy weights and goals are more geared towards aesthetic goals and typically the older you get the more you put a priority on function. You are less likely to care about how heavy of a weight you can bench press, but you do care about waking up in the morning without back aches. So yeah, go hard or go home. I think it's more helpful to just promote consistency and also active recovery. Like if you really need to stay into the rhythm of going to the gym a certain amount of times per week or if If it's really helpful for you to train, you know, five times a week, not only for gains, but because of like mental health, if if you just feel better training often, well, then you have to acknowledge that sometimes you're going to have to vary the intensity of it. You can't go hard every single time. And by the way, if you do, you are eventually going to sideline yourself. Like that comment said, Um, yeah, I've definitely pushed myself too hard before. Let's find a good one. No days off. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh. Oh, I forget where I read it. Maybe in a book that was talking about habits and uh they were talking about oh, what was it called? The Power of Habits. Um In that book they were talking about how how to uh some tips that have helped like smokers or drinkers kind of like overcome some of their addictions or how to put yourself in a better mindset of changing bad routines or replacing bad routines with good routines. And one of the things, uh, was like a mentality and they mentioned, um, for people that go to the gym, for example, they would say, you know, instead of saying, I'm the kind of person that works out every day for a lot of people they're just not gonna work out every day. And I think that 99% of people don't work out every day all the time. I definitely don't. But yeah, like often, five, six days a week, I think is manageable for most people if you can choose the right time interval, anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. But a tip that they said was helpful was speaking about yourself and just saying something more along the lines of, I'm not the kind of person that takes two days off. Yeah, I might take one day off from doing this thing, from working out, but I'm not the type of person that takes two days off. And that kind of gives you leeway and room to kind of take a day off every once in a while because you need it. Okay. The last one, I want to find a good one. Weighted pull-ups? No, that's not super applicable. Oh, yeah, this is a bad one. A woman shouldn't lift that much weight. It's unsexy. Yeah, that definitely deserves an entire podcast on its own. Um, Yeah, women should lift. It is not unsexy. (laughs) Like, what... In an ideal scenario, what does lifting weights do for you? It makes you stronger. Hopefully it makes you healthier. It gives you more muscle. It reduces the amount of fat that you have. So you're saying that it's not sexy for women to be healthy? Nah. I can see where this quote is coming from. Like, it's probably talking about, like, maybe it's saying that women that have so much muscle aren't sex, but, like, no, come on now. That is so dumb. That is so... Yeah. Women don't get bulky just by accident. Like, if people are worried about getting bulky so quickly, that does not happen to... That may be the exception, but that's not the rule. For someone who experiences putting on large amounts of muscle very quickly uh yeah that's the exception that's not the rule so anyways i'm gonna leave that off there um if you want me to do a part two if you want to hear more things from this list by all means there's a lot more comments here that i could have went over but i think that was a pretty good list for today so anyways uh if you have any feedback for me uh by all means leave that in like the comments of this podcast or by all means uh leave me a review. Find me on social media. If you have any specific topics you want me to cover in the future, you can find me on, you know, most most social media platforms. Just search my name, Yuhayupi, J-U-H-A-J-U-P-P-I. Know that it's on a stage name. That was everything for today, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.